Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Good morning, everyone. Um, I am Dr. Cam, and we are starting season three of Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam podcast. So excited. Um, And today, if it seems like your teen stays awake all night and sleeps all day, if you're worried about how it's impacting their health and mood, then this episode is for you. I'm joined by sleep physician and youth psychiatrist, Dr. Kara Uli. Dr. Uli is going to explain to us why the teen years are a perfect storm for insomnia, the most common mistakes us parents make when trying to get our teen's sleep back on track, and the three things we can do instead. Dr. Uli is the creator of Decode Online, an online course designed to address the unique sleep challenges of teens using cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, CBT-I. She's also the host of the podcast series, Find the H, which breaks down key sleep concepts and strategies. This month, at the end of the month, she is releasing her new podcast, The Decode Project, on which she'll be talking with experts about insights, tactics, and frameworks that really move the needle on change. Welcome, Dr. Uli. I'm so happy you can join us today. Thank you so much for having me. So let's start with your backstory. What inspired you to specialize in adolescent sleep? Sure. So I am, I'm trained in child and adolescent psychiatry. And right at the end of my residency, I kind of stumbled upon sleep. It was something that I hadn't had uh, really any training in in my residency. And I think I was both fascinated by more the science of it, but also when I started applying a lot of the things that I've learned and mostly, um, you know, CBTI type strategies, as you'd mentioned, I just realized that I was really missing the boat. There were these strategies that I'd known a little bit about, but hadn't quite known how to implement properly um, that I hadn't been using, but worked really, really well. And could you could see change really quickly. So as a psychiatry resident, I'd been very used to seeing change. It happens slowly, right? Typically Mm -hmm. when we're treating other things, but with sleep, I could see improvement in a matter of sometimes days, but more often weeks. And so that was really something where I discovered that there was this kind of um, this thing that I'd been missing and this thing that had so much opportunity. So I then went on and and I did training and I did a fellowship in sleep medicine and then really got into this area of teen uh, insomnia because it's an area that not not too many people are in. So they're not. And we need to because it's such a big problem. Um, And, you know, I talk to parents all the time that are so frustrated by their teen sleep schedules. They don't understand why they go to sleep so late, sleep in so early. So why is the teen years, as you call it, the perfect storm for insomnia? Yeah, no, I often say that because basically everything that works against sleep kind of is exacerbated in the teen years. So I think in general, I will often say that the world is just really not set up for good sleep for any of us, right? Mm-hmm. If we think about electronics and about just how we always have to be kind of on, there's always something bombarding us. So that exists for all of us. But I think in the teen years, there are some unique challenges. So one of the things a lot of people know about is that in the teen years, there is a natural delay in the body clock. Mm-hmm. And that in, in and of itself, just that issue can set up so many issues because it's hard to get to bed on time to get enough sleep. And then oftentimes, teens are having to wake up an hour or two or three or four before their, their bodies actually want to wake up. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that really nice sleep is getting cut off. And so what's very common is that 
typically by kind of October, November, teens are so massively sleep deprived. And that can then lead to a whole bunch of other issues like sleeping in on weekends or sleeping in really late on weekends, napping. And then those things actually fuel insomnia more. And there's more of that stuff too, right? Like increasing caffeine, opting out of activities and being less physically active. Those are all things that then just perpetuate the problem. So that's kind of one piece of it. And then there's the whole element of what's going on in the teen years, right? Just there's so much more stress, there's more responsibilities. It's really hard to be a teen right now. And so that makes it difficult, you know, to wind down, to have good quality of sleep. There's a lot to process in the teen years, right? Figuring out what you want to do, who you are, who you want to be around, all that stuff. So that's kind of another factor. And then I would say another factor is that Uh, I don't know if you've experienced this, but a lot of teens like to hang out in bed. (laughs) A lot of the teens that I see spend, some of them spend the vast majority of their day in bed. And that actually creates a very unhelpful association with the bed, right? Where bed gets very paired with that kind of awake alert state. And that is a huge factor that drives sleep issues and insomnia. So there's just so many things that kind of go into that mix. And then all of that just then you know, it creates sleep deprivation, it creates more stress, they get behind in school. And then that, of course, fuels a problem even more. So exactly. So it's yeah, a self-perpetuating a problem. So what are some of the things that parents are doing now that are actually kind of backfiring or even making it worse? Yeah, so I would divide it into kind of three things. The first is more the tactics or kind of the knowledge that might be missing. So as I've mentioned, one of the big things that can contribute to insomnia is a lot of time awake in bed, right? It just kind of creates that unhelpful association, whereas you're really wanting that association with bed. Uh, you want the bed to be paired with more kind of sleepy, sleep, good sleep mode, right? But what's often happen, happening um, is that in the teen years, there's that natural delay in the clock. And all of a sudden there is a shift in the timing of when they actually want to sleep and when their bodies actually can sleep. And so very, so many well-meaning parents will kind of strongly suggest to teens like get into bed by 10 p.m. But the bodies just aren't ready for sleep until maybe 12 or 1. So that's a common trap that I find parents will fall into. It's very well-intentioned. But what, what ends up happening is that teens are then just spending two, three hours in bed. They're not sleepy. That can actually snowball into more anxiety and frustration, but it also helps to strengthen that negative association with the bed. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of like, that's an an example of a common tactic um, where parents, maybe they just don't have that knowledge to know that that's um, actually doing more harm than good. I would also say maybe taking a step back, a common trap that I'll often find parents fall into is pushing the teen to make changes to their sleep, but the teen is really not there. So as you probably know, people yeah, this goes with a lot of stuff, not just sleep. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, as you know, people in general don't like being told what to do, but teens especially don't like being told what to do. And so if you really dig in your heels, if you're not kind of meeting the teen where they're at, it often makes things worse. It makes it much less likely for them to want to change. And you have to kind of remember that, you know, making some of these changes is really not what most teens want to do. It's not what their friends are doing. So to really push something and it's just, there's no connect there with the teen that often does make things worse. And then I would say the third thing is that if your teen is in the place where they are wanting to make changes, um, another common trap, and I fall into this all the time, is rushing ahead. So rushing ahead to step four or five, when really what you need to do is start with step one. So let me give you an example of that. Uh, Very good sleep advice is to cut out naps and to wake up earlier. But those things are really, really hard to do, especially when you're exhausted and maybe you've got a clock that's running later. So that might be something that ultimately has to happen in the future, but that's not where you're likely to get a lot of traction with a teen who is probably pretty ambivalent about making these changes, 
probably pretty exhausted and loves their naps. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. Naps have been rewarding for them in the past. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't make sense for them um, because it's helpful for them. And as we know, teens tend to be more focused on the the kind of here and now short term as opposed to the long term. So um, so I'd say that's another one kind of just it's similar, I think, to not meeting the teen with where they are, but just rushing ahead or doing too much at once is another thing. So I find often, you know, I'm having to kind of bring things back, start with bite-sized steps, start with laying a foundation. So you then can see success with that later on stuff. That's great. So now you're talking about kind of what we've been doing wrong. Tell us a little bit more of what we need to do instead. Sure. So I have found in my experience um, working with teens and their parents, that there's always kind of three steps it boils down to that are always the best place to start. These three steps in and of themselves, I can see significant improvement, but you also need to take these steps, as I said, to really be able to benefit from things um, that might have to happen down the road. So the first step I've actually um, referenced, which is this idea that you really don't wanna be showing up too early for sleep. So the first step is actually to have an understanding of when I talk about sleep potential. So when the body's actually gonna be ready for sleep, the timing of the clock and actually moving the bedtime or when you're expecting sleep to that time. And then that's kind of a helpful first step. Mm-hmm. Eventually you're gonna to wanna to make some other changes like cutting out naps, waking up earlier to be able to, I call it a starting line for sleep, but be able to move when you can expect sleep, that kind of time you can move that earlier. But the first helpful step is actually just to delay the bedtime to better match up with when you actually are gonna um, be sleepy and be able to sleep. So that's step number one. Step number two has to do with that um, idea that I mentioned earlier, that it's so common to develop that unhelpful association with bed. And so uh, we use strategies called stimulus control, right? Which is essentially retraining yourself to associate bed with that kind of calm, sleepy state and good sleep. Um, And that involves not getting into bed until you're sleepy, getting out of bed, right? A lot of people will know those strategies, but in the moment, that is really, really hard to do. And you need to be consistent with that. So trying to get a teen to do that is very unrealistic. To be honest, I won't even do that if I don't I'm just have... going to say, that's hard for an adult to do. <laughs> I love very, very hard to do in the morning. Moment. It's so cozy. Yeah. yeah. So I often talk to people about um, setting things up ahead of time so you've got a really good alternative so that you're not defaulting back into bed. Mm-hmm. So I talk about this concept of a uh, cozy nook, right? So having a place that is separate from the bed that is going to be a place that they want to go in the moment that kind of does the same thing for them as their bed, right? So bed for many teens, it's where they have privacy it's where they feel comfortable so it has to be kind of on par with the bed so that can be really helpful and it's a really concrete thing it's kind of a fun project sometimes for parents and teens to do together if the parent or sorry if the teen is into it and then along with that I also talk about setting up a sleep kit so um, it's helpful to have other things that you can do set up ahead of time so that you don't default back onto your phone so that can be a whole bunch of things but oftentimes I'll get people to start with just setting up, um, you know, having a notebook, having a pen so you can capture thoughts, maybe having one book or magazine or, um, you know, something that that you kind of can do, like art, things like that, just to have something on hand so that you have an activity to anchor your mind onto. You're not just sitting there because you're unlikely to stay out of bed, right? If you're just sitting there getting bored, anxious. But you know, well, you go to your phone, which then disturbs your sleep even more, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's about setting up something else to go to instead of having to just automatically go to the default. So yeah. that was a really long answer to step number two. But then step no, number that three, was great. Yeah. <laughs> step number three is all about light. So one of the reasons why sleep is so disrupted these days in many of us, but especially in teens, is that we just have access to light all of the time right? So 24-7, that's in strong contrast to how things, how life was in the past, where in the past, 
we would have lots of light in the morning, light during the day, it would start to get dark in the evening, and then it would be dark overnight. But now we just have light all the time. And sometimes we're actually getting more light at nighttime than we are during the day. Mm -hmm. And all that light in the evening and overnight essentially pushes the clock later. So even though at baseline, most teens want to sleep later, say their bodies want to sleep between say 12 and 9am, you probably know of many teens who don't actually want to sleep until two or three or even later. Yeah. And then want to sleep until you know 11 or 12 or 1 p.m. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that we have access to light all the time. So, um, and then the other thing is that light makes it hard for us to wind down. It can impact the quality of our sleep as well. So light is a good, I, I call it like a uh, low hanging fruit intervention mm -hmm. because you can change the light situation and you can see almost immediate improvement. And it's fairly easy, right? It's not involving having to make major changes to your habits or build skills. It's just changing the environment. So, the first thing I'll often, or the kind of concern I'll often hear is that it's not possible to put away the, the, the screens yet. And I actually don't recommend that people start there. Like that's not yeah. an easy place to start, but there are all these other ways in which you can reduce the risk of uh, the impact of light in the evening and also boost light in the morning because that's also equally important. So that's where I typically get people to start. That's great. And I want to kind of comment too on, you know, you said don't start with the phone which I think is the first place people start or starting with that, because what I end up hearing too, is that it ends up causing this huge argument every night, which I'm gathering ruins sleep for everyone, mm -hmm. right? So you're starting yeah. every night, taking the phone so they'll get better sleep, but creating an argument would actually probably makes the sleep even worse than the phone would have. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and I always, always talk about how that, it also erodes a connection, yeah. right? And so if you're a parent wanting to help, um, and, and parents can play such a helpful role, right? Especially because teens are very tired and ambivalent, like I said. So oftentimes I'm finding parents are having to um, bolster a lot of the initial action. And then oftentimes teens will take it after they've got, got some traction, some momentum. Um, but if you are, if there's a lot of conflicts surrounding sleep and that I would say is just normal, right? Like sleep is a real point of contention for most parents and teens. It is. But if you're constantly in conflict, the teen is, like I said, they're just going to dig in their heels even more. They're going to be even less likely to want to do it. And then you lose that influence, right? Yeah. I actually have a question here from um, one of the listeners I wanted to share with you because I, I love your answer on this. Um, she writes, my teen daughter does not listen about putting sleep above all. She only gets five to six hours of sleep and I'm afraid her body is getting used to it, which isn't healthy. She is often in anxiety mode, seems cranky, not happy. How do I influence my child to make sleep her top priority? Yeah, so let's <laughs> lead in, I think, from that last question. So it, it depends, right? So it kind of depends on, again, gauging if your teen is in the place to want to hear it, right? Mm -hmm. So if they're not perceiving it as a problem, um, going into all the reasons for why sleep is good tends to be really uh, counterproductive. So interestingly, I very rarely talk about the benefits of sleep in my practice because I've found it just doesn't tend to be helpful. The teens have heard it before, right? They got this, they're kind of hit over the head by this stuff. Yeah. They kind of know what they need to do, but they've had this experience of it actually that maybe they've tried a bunch of things and it just hasn't worked. Um, and then I think also, as I mentioned, just understanding where teens are at and kind of what their friends are doing and where they are developmentally, right? There's yeah. just so much... Um, going against actually wanting to make those changes, even if, you know, intellectually, they know that maybe getting more sleep is a good idea. So what I would say is, you know, you kind of first have to gauge um, where the teen is at, gauge your level of connection, I think as well, kind of if they're going to be wanting to hear it uh, from you. And I would say if, 
sometimes it's a helpful for them to stumble upon that information on their own, right? So not coming from the parent. And so it may be that, you know, I have that podcast series and sometimes there's something about them discovering it on their own where they might be more willing to hear it. Amen. Yeah. And then I would say it's, it's, it's about identifying a compelling reason for them to make those changes. So making a lot of the changes to sleep are not typically what teens are wanting to do. So having that carrot, finding that kind of that reason that is important to them is really key. So, you know, for example, I have a colleague who was recently talking to me about how as soon as she hears, um, you know, somebody say that they love video games, she will go with that and talk about how, you know, did you know that you've got such better reaction time and da, 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 and really um, kind of understand what matters to them and then go with that. So that can be a helpful strategy. I would also say another one that I, I kind of referenced before is that I would say a big barrier to a lot of teens wanting to address their sleep or engage in any of these strategies is that fact that they've tried before and it hasn't worked for them. So having just the knowledge that there is there are strategies, that there is a roadmap, um, I think will we'll get a lot of buy-in. And so that's really what I've tried to create with my program. I've tried to think of how can I create something that is going to make it easier for these exhausted, ambivalent teens so that when they're ready, it's not so painful, yeah. <laughs> right? And it's kind of setting them up to be able to succeed with a lot of these great strategies that we have, but I think are often just kind of given out or, or you know, given out on sleep hygiene handouts that just, it's very unrealistic. To right. And that is so true. They're so unrealistic. And I think, you know, one of the, the a few things that I love that you've said too, it's like meeting the team where they're at and having something that really it motivates or, or inspires them to get the sleep because I think a lot of times the motivation, and I'm putting that in quotes if you can't see, the motivation is actually us taking a phone away, which is trying to motivate them to sleep by taking something they want away, which doesn't motivate them to sleep. It motivates them to be angry at you because you're taking your phone away. Um, and I think the other thing is a lot of times I, uh, how we try to push it and encourage them to do it is assuming that they can do it easily and mm -hmm. they're choosing not to. Mm -hmm. And everything you've just said counters that belief. It's not that they're choosing to ignore you and go to sleep late because they just want to, or they're trying to be a pain. It's because they can't get to sleep earlier because their circadian rhythms are later, right? That they've probably tried, which they've told me a lot. They do. And they just sit there and then it's recreating that sense of the bed is just, you know, they almost fear going to bed mm -hmm. because they know they're just going to sit there and ruminate and not be able to sleep. And so it makes it harder for them too. Um, so I love all of these tips that you provided are very um, actionable, but reasonable too. And taking the kids thought process and how they're going to behave in mind, which is really important. Mm hmm yeah. So Dr. Ui, how do people find you? There are a few different ways. I have a website, which is decodeinsomnia.com and I'm on Instagram. I'm just starting to uh, go on TikTok a little bit, just experimenting with a few very short uh, educational TikToks. Um, so that's probably the easiest way to find me. Um, yeah. Wonderful. All right. Any parting words of encouragement for parents with teens? I would just say, you know, I think sometimes when I talk about the perfect storm, that it leaves people with a sense of it's just, it's not possible. And I don't want to leave people with that, with that sense. I have very much seen people uh, get their sleep on track, 
quite quickly um, and it really can make a huge difference. I often, the reason why I do the work that I do is that I often um, view it as a very helpful first change. Um, you know, oftentimes it's hard to change anything else if you're sleep deprived and exhausted, I always say that. And it's, it's, much, it's a much easier first win. It's more concrete than maybe sometimes tackling some of the other stuff and you can see change quickly. And so I think that works really, really nicely in teens who, you know, just tend to, <laughs> tend to get distracted easily and like to see progress quickly. And so I just really encourage people to keep an open mind and, and know that I think there are better ways of addressing sleep that, uh, you know, even if it hasn't, go, it hasn't gone well in the past, doesn't mean that it can't go well in the future. Right. I think one last question too, because just because your teens are falling asleep now at two and sleeping till noon, does that mean they're always going to be falling asleep at two and waking up at noon? No. So, I mean, yes, there are a lot of things or the setup is such that it is very easy for the clock to run later. Um, but there are, we can, we can shift the timing of our clock. So it might not be that your teen is ever going to want to sleep at 10, but you can get it closer to maybe 12, or I shouldn't say you should, the teens can get it closer to maybe 12 or even 11. I see a lot of teens who can fall asleep at that time. You're kind of working with what you've got, but absolutely there is, there is room to kind of adjust the timing of the clock. Perfect. All right. I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much, Dr. Uwe. I so appreciate you coming on and sharing all this great information with us. Thank you. It was my pleasure. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.